What a special thanks to Jim and Renee Caldwell. They kind of put that together. And, uh, I can assure you that uh, many chiggers were harmed in the making of that, uh, of that video. And if you'd like to see it over and over and over again, it is on the church website. So you can, you can go there. Uh, yeah, congratulations. You came on the day that we're, uh, that we're going to be uh, sharing about tithing. And I decided to take a little bit different track today rather than, you know, stand behind a pulpit and everything and, and, and give it to you. I figured you get to sit down. I should get to sit down as well. And uh, I just want to be a little more casual. I just want to, I want to, uh, I just want to tell you some stories and um, do a little teaching. Just talk to you today about, about tithing. Perhaps take some of the anxiety out of the topic. Because for some people it is a, it is a matter of anxiety. Let's just be honest. But let's also stand together again. And we'll read from, you guessed it, Malachi chapter 3. Verses 6 through 12. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life that's in your word. I thank you for the blessing that is in your word. I pray, Father, that you would give us soft hearts today. I pray that You'd change our way of thinking where it needs to be changed, Lord God, and reinforce it where it needs to be reinforced. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I was... Uh, is Allie here? Is that, I was talking to Allie. Uh, huh? Uh, yeah, she's up there. I was talking to her before the, uh, before the first service, and uh, we were talking about how old she was, and I was talking about the fact that, you know, she didn't, she didn't look a day over whatever she is. And, uh, you know, and she was, but, but I was talking about the fact that oftentimes people, when they're, when they're teenagers, I lost it. What happened to my screen? I dropped this and it went off. Okay, there we go. All right. Thank you very much. Well, now that we got that figured out. All right. I was, uh... That's weird, isn't it? Yeah. If you start feeling sleepy, just remember that moment. Go back to it and wake you back up. Uh, 
was telling her that, you know, people her age generally wanted to look older. And she said, oh, no, 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 no. She, she, ne- she never wanted to be older than 17. She just wanted to always be 17 because when you're 17, your mom and dad are responsible for all of your bills and you have a driver's license. <laughs> I'm going, that, you got it together, girl. I mean, you got it going on. That, that works. That's, uh, that's the way it's supposed to be. Um, but it's not going to happen like that. You can't stay there, and we come into adulthood, and we tend to pick and choose what we bring from our childhood training when we come into adulthood. Now, that lovely family there was the first family photo of uh, my mom and dad and myself. And my dad had hair, and I had about the same amount that he had. At that point in time. Uh, And you know, hopefully what you bring with you into adulthood is the good stuff. Because nobody bats a thousand. I mean, all all parents mess up somewhere. And so hopefully you you don't bring any of the bad stuff and you bring the good stuff. That's what you want to do. And one of the best things that that my parents gave me when I was growing up was, was training about tithing. Now, I didn't say teaching. They taught me, but they trained me about tithing. I used to get an allowance. Uh, Do they still do that? What happened? Uh, No, no, seriously. Seriously, because I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not talking about giving your kid a hundred bucks every time they go, I want one of those. I'm, I'm talking about a regular systematic. It's a good thing. It, it, It was a way to to teach how, what money is and how, how to use it. And it was also a way to teach tithing. Now, I think my first uh, allowance was a quarter. And I don't know how you tithe off a quarter because there were no half-cent pieces. So I probably ended up giving three cents or something. And, uh, but anyway, uh, if, you got, if you got a dime, you gave a penny. If you got a dollar, you gave a dime. If you got... $10, which I never did for an allowance, but if you did, you're supposed to bring a dollar. That was, that was the way that it worked, and that, and that was the way, that was, what they, that was what they trained me to do, and it's been a powerful blessing in my life, and I want to share that blessing with you guys. Let me tell you a little bit about my mom and dad first. Uh, my mom and dad, when they got married, mom was 16 and my dad was 20. That's a problem already. I mean, that's, it's, it's kind of hard when you're 16 and you get married to make a go of it. Now, my mom was born on uh, February the 29th, and so she always used to talk about, you know, in fact, when she turned 80, I can remember her saying, you know, well, I'm actually only 20. I've only had 20 birthdays. But, but by that reasoning, she got married at four. <laughs> Which you don't want to go there. But anyway, they got married on December the 25th, 1936. Does anybody know anything significant that was happening in 1936? It's called the Great Depression. Yeah. And one of the worst years of the Great Depression was 1937. They got married a week before 1937 started. At the beginning of 1937, unemployment stood at 14.3%. At the end of 1937, it stood at 19%. So if you think things are hard now, when they got married, 
at the age of 16 and 20. And it wasn't like they had a, you know, it wasn't like they had a, a, a lot of money coming from mom and dad because her, her father was a Pentecostal preacher in Tennessee. Okay, enough said. In fact, when uh, the story is that my dad went and asked her to marry him, it was on Christmas Day, and she went in and she said, well, I got I to gotta ask my dad. And she went into her dad and said, he wants to marry me. What, you know, can I get married? And he said, well, you make your bed, you got to lay in it. And that was it. They went out and found him a preacher and got married that day. And stayed married until she passed away at the age of 84, 68 years. You know, so that was pretty. Actually, they were one month shy of 68 years. My dad never went beyond the eighth grade. Mom finished high school in 1948 at the age of 28. So you, this is, this is the, the head start that they had. Uh, and then they, in 1953, they moved to Millersville. And uh, I was born then, so I, I, I moved with them. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And my, my mom in 1956 finally got a job as an elementary school teacher. And as far as I know, that was a, the first time after I was born that, that she worked. Now, if you think elementary school teachers are not paid well now, 1956, I think she started out at 150 bucks a month is what, is what she got. And that was on a nine-month basis. My dad, though, was a bivocational pastor, which simply means that they didn't pay him enough for us to live unless he did something else. In fact, I remember when he first went there, he made $35 a week. That was 1953. And um, I think in 1964, they raised it to 50. Uh, he was he sh- sold shoes and uh, on the side, and he was also worked in a grocery store as a uh, as, as a part time butcher on the side from time to time. So that's that's their background. In 1988, they retired, and uh, they retired with a social security pension. They retired with my mom's uh, um, teacher pension, and that was it. Now. Three or four years later, the church was able to give them a small stipend, but that was what they had. And you know what? During They, they retired for 20 years. I mean, it was 20, 20 years before my mom passed away, just uh, about that. My, uh, I guess 18 for her, 22 for my dad. At average, it's 20. Okay. They retired for 20 years. They, they never wanted for anything. They always had all the bills paid. They always actually had more money coming in than they had going out every month. Now, here's the thing. You know, these days people think about retirement and they kind of go, you know, until the stock market crashed, we were doing well. Till the 401k got wiped out, we were doing okay. Don't know how we're ever going to do it now. Don't know how we're ever going to, you know. 16 and 20 got married in the middle of the depression, never made all that much money and had this comfortable retirement. How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> well, if, if everybody knew the answer, we could have ended now. But uh, since they don't, I guess I'll have to finish the sermon. They, uh... <laughs> they tithed. They tithed their whole life. They taught me to do that. They were generous their whole life. Uh, Margaret and I used to be young. And uh, she still looks young. 
Okay, yeah, thank you. I was waiting for someone to say, so do you. <laughs> Were you in every service or did you just make that up on your own? Good, good for you. Uh, and we haven't always had everything we wanted, but we've had virtually everything we wanted and we've had everything we've ever needed. Um, now, there, there are some, there are some, some keys here. For, for one, when we first got married, I wouldn't have a credit card. I mean, I, I had had a gas card. Some of you are old enough to remember gas cards. <clears throat> and I had run up like a $322 bill on that thing. And it was going to take me the rest of my life to pay that off. So <laughs> I, I, I just wasn't going to touch any, any kind of credit card. And after, after three or four years, Margaret finally convinced me that she couldn't cash checks. At the, they wouldn't take a check without a credit card for, for some reason. So we finally got one. But, uh, but we've never borrowed any money on a credit card. We've never, uh, we've never run a uh, monthly bill on a credit card. And we've always had a budget. And just let me say, if you don't have a budget, you don't have a chance. If you don't have a budget, you don't have a chance because you don't have a clue what, what you're supposed to do with that money when you get it. And it's supposed to come in and you don't know where it's supposed to go and it ends up going places it ain't supposed to go. So that's important. But you know what? The real important thing, the real key ingredient is we've always been tithers. And it's just always, that's, that's, how, it, that's how it works for us. Uh, why I teach about tithing, let me go ahead and get this over with here. Uh, I don't know if you can read that. I'll read it to you. That was the best sermon on giving I have ever heard. (laughs) Now, that's not really what this is about. I mean, you tend, people tend to think that they tend to hear, oh, he's going to teach on tithing, going to teach on giving. Don't bring your checkbook that day. Don't, don't bring, you know. But it, I don't want your checkbook. I want your heart. Yeah, you know, I don't need need that. Want want your heart and and, and want your mind. Uh, when we first came here, for the longest time, I, I really wouldn't teach about tithing. Really wouldn't teach about giving. And the reason why I wouldn't was because there had been so much bad teaching, and I and I was just embarrassed about it, to be very honest. So so too many crying preachers on television begging. Send in the money, are they going to pull the plug? And, and I, just, I just didn't want to go there. And then I, I finally realized one day that, hey, you know, maybe the cure for bad teaching isn't no teaching. Maybe the cure for bad teaching is actually good teaching. And who better? <laughs> no, it's just... A... <laughs> the, reason, the reason why... I, I teach on tithing, though, is because it's the key to a blessed life. If you want a good book to read about tithing and giving, and I know all of you do, uh, I would recommend this one by Robert Morris, uh, the, the Blessed Life. He, he actually can do a much better job of it than I can. But it has been a real key to a blessed life for me. It was a real key to a blessed life for the generation that preceded me. I saw that in their lives. And you know what? They got it. They were second generation tithers. Uh, I know that as well because my mom's dad was a, well, he was a 
Southern Pentecostal preacher. He, he tithed. And my, and my dad's mom, my, my dad's dad passed away when he was four years old. But his mom was, a, was, the, wife of, was the widowed wife of a sharecropper with six kids. I, the only way she could make it was tithe. So I know she did. So it, I, I've seen it be blessings throughout my, my family line. And I, and I just want to pass that on to people. All right, very quickly, I've got uh, just a few tithing facts and then a, a few frequently asked questions. And that's all. A tithe, <clears throat> very simply, it's 10%. Um, it's $1 out of $10. It's $10 out of $100. It's $100 out of $1,000. Um, and for those of you who've really been holding out on me, it's a hundred thousand out of a million. Uh, (laughs) I wish (laughs) tithing is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 14. And, and when a thing is mentioned for the very first time, it's, it's significant. You need to pay a particular attention to the first time. <clears throat> Abraham had defeated uh, some kings in a war. And on his way back home, he was met by this guy named Melchizedek. Melchizedek was, very, was a very great man. In, in fact, he blessed Abraham. And the scripture says that without doubt, the greater always blesses the lesser. So he was a greater man than Abraham was. And, that's, uh, and it says that... It, that Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. In fact, it, it doesn't really just say that he gave him a tenth of what he took in the battle. It says he gave him a tenth of everything that he had. Uh, sometimes people ask, is tithing in the New Testament? You know, we, tr- we tend to treat, sometimes we tend to treat the Bible as if it were two books. Truth of the matter is, it's not two books. It's 66 books, and it's one book. But it's not two books. Same God, I mean, there's an old covenant and a new covenant, but a whole lot of that covenant overlaps, and this is one of the parts that overlap, because I said the first time something's mentioned, you need to pay a particular attention to it. It's it's unique in that this also was probably the forerunner, if you will, of Christian worship, because Melchizedek was a forerunner of Christ. He was the king of Salem, which means he was the king of peace. But not only that, he's one of only two people in Scripture who was referenced as both a king and a priest. He was priest of God Most High. You know who the other one is that is a high priest and king of kings and lord of lords? Give you a clue. The answer is not a squirrel. It's it's Jesus. Yeah. And not only that, when he came out to Abraham, or Abram as his name was then, when he came out to him, he came out and brought bread and wine. Uh, sounds like a worship service to me, because Jesus was the one who instituted the table that we come to. Psalm 110 and Hebrews chapter 7, if you want to know more about this guy, Melchizedek, Hebrews chapter 7 is really the place to find out about him. But those two both tell us that, that Messiah, the Christ, was a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Not after the order of Aaron, but after the order of Melchizedek. So what we got going on here is we have the archetype of Jesus Christ presiding over a a service, and we have Abraham coming to this service, and guess who he represents? 
he's the father of us all. He's the father of the household of faith. We, we, we are Abraham's children. It's what the scripture says. And Abraham tithed to Melchizedek in this particular case. To, to me, that's about as New Testament as it gets. Maybe in Genesis, but for me, it's New Testament. Now, somebody wants to argue about it or be contentious about it, have, you know, knock yourself out. But for me, it's pretty clear that this is, this is what... This is what our worship is supposed to include. And then one other thing before I move on to the frequently asked questions. Just a a factor. You don't give your tithes. You pay them. You pay them. Uh, That's why it it was talking earlier in that passage about you've robbed me in tithes and offerings. They're separate things. They they are two different things. What the the tithe is, is basically it's it's a baseline against infidelity. With, with our finances. It's a, it's a baseline in terms of our giving. Offerings are things above tithes. Uh, I love what Barbie was sharing about we have a tendency to think that uh, the tithe initiates something. And in a, it initiates something in our own life. That, that's true. But the, the tithe does not initiate the blessing. You don't owe a tithe till the blessing has already come. You don't make anything. If you don't want to have to tithe anything, then don't make any money. Just that simple. You won't owe any tithes. Yeah. You say, well, now, wait a minute. Yeah, you know, it, was, it was my strength, the work of my hands. It was my talent. It was my sweat, the, the sweat of my brow that, that made this. What's God got to do with it? Well, what God has to do with it is he, he gave you the talent, he gave you the strength, he gave you the health, he gave you the intelligence, he gave you the brow, he gave you the ability to sweat on it. He, 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 he initiated the whole thing. That's what he did. And so a tithe is a response to what, he's already, to what he has already given to you. Um, and, and, let, and let me also say this, tithing causes us to be more aware of how we use our money. See, if we don't, if we think of, if we don't think of tithing as being something we pay, as being something we give, then it's, if it's something we just give, it's optional. If something we pay is not optional. And if you'll think of tithing as something that you pay, you'll pay a whole lot more attention to how you spend the rest of your money. You absolutely will. I promise you, because, because everything that you approach, you then approach from the standpoint of, wait a minute. Now, I owe God this, and this is what is left, and I owe this, so this is what is left. And if you don't have that mindset, then you'll work at it from the other way, and you'll go, well, I want this, and then I owe man this, and God's over there somewhere. It'll make things work out a whole lot better for you. And, and, and when you get ready to buy something optional, you might even actually stop and think, since you're including God in this whole process, you might actually stop and ask Him if you ought to get it or not. You ever bought anything and 48 hours later wished you hadn't? You ever bought anything and 45 minutes later wished you hadn't? Of course you have. Well, God, God actually cares about that stuff. He can actually talk to you about that stuff. Okay, tithing, frequently asked questions. Did Jesus say we shouldn't tithe? 
Yeah, sometimes people pull uh, Luke 11.42 and they, and they make this say that Jesus is saying not to tithe. Woe to you Pharisees, because you tithe. You give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. Now, that's not really what that's saying, but sometimes people try and make that say that. And truth of the matter is, that's not the whole verse either. Because Jesus goes on to say, you should have practiced justice and the love of God without leaving the former undone. You're supposed to do the other as well. You're supposed to tithe and do that. So, no, Jesus did not say that we should not tithe. <sighs> Here's the biggie. Gross or net? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you, 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 you. Uh, the Hendersons are really with it today. I mean, uh, Diane said I looked young, and Merlin already answered this question with a gross. But let me give you an example. Let's let's, let's look at this just a minute. Let's say, uh, just to keep it simple, you make ten dollars an hour and you work forty hours a week. That's four hundred dollars, right? Okay, yeah, remember when I dropped the thing and it went off and I dropped it and it came back on again? Some of y'all need to go back there. But then you get your check and lo and behold, it's not $400. It's less. Uh, You know, they took out Social Security. They took out some taxes. They might have taken out some insurance. They, you know, took out some other things. You got $320 there. And $320 divided by 40 is $8 an hour. Now the question is, what did you actually make? If somebody were to ask you, how much do you make per hour? How many of you would say, I make $8 an hour? No, you say, I made $10 an hour. Because that's what you actually made. At least that makes sense to me. If it doesn't make sense to you, Okay, but makes, makes sense to me. What if I can't afford to tithe? And that's a very serious question. I, I don't want to take that question lightly. But I do want to tell you what my dad would say. Because I know what my dad would say. Not, it would be an exaggeration to say that I heard him say it hundreds of times, but I probably heard him say it a hundred times. And what my dad would say is, you cannot afford not to tithe. You get right down to it, because that's what he learned in his life. You put God first, you give him the first portion, and then he takes care of the rest. Now, you can't, you can't you know, give him the first portion, and this, and this is what I mean by bad teaching. You can't give him the first portion and then go out and spend more money than you've got. And go, oh, he'll take care of it. No, he, he'll, ta- he'll meet your needs, he, but he will not bless your stupidity. <laughs> Seriously. But if you'll put him first, then he'll take care of things. He really will. When Margaret and I were, were in, uh, first got to Zimbabwe, uh, right after we got there, talk about fortuitous. Right after we got there uh, in South Africa, 
they, uh, it was still in the days of apartheid and there was a lot of political pressure and stuff. And, and I don't remember exactly what happened, but something happened and the, and the rand, which is a South African currency, went from two rand to the dollar to seven rand to the dollar like that. Just bam. And we're thinking, yeah. Of course, we're not in South Africa. We're in Zimbabwe, but we're close. And one of the things that I began to hear about was you could go down to South Africa and you could get a late model Mercedes Benz, big one. And by late model, I mean two or three years old, for the equivalent of about 3,500 U.S. dollars. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, I wonder how our supporters would feel about a missionary driving in a Mercedes. But, but it's for a good cause because, see, we could bring it back in, and after a year, we could sell it. We could sell it for enough to live a year on it. And I'm, and I'm thinking, okay, we got to get, we got to get our visa to go to South Africa. And we, you know, we got to do this and we got to do, and, and God just went, wait. I didn't send you over here to trade cars. Oh, okay. Now, you see, he might have sent somebody else there to do that, and that's fine. I'm not, but that's what he said to me. And so we went, okay, fine. And you know what? We didn't go get a Mercedes, and we didn't, you know, have all that that we could then sell and money coming in. But God took care of everything. It was one of the most blessed, prosperous times of those three years were, were wonderful that we were there on, on every level. I fully believe if I had gone, well, God, I understand that, but I got a chance to really make something here. You know, then I don't think it would have gone too well. But when you give God, let him be in first place and then let him take care of things. Oh, it goes, it goes well. Now, I've never been in a, in a situation of uh, do, I, do I pay my tithes or do I buy food for my family? And so, you know, I can't, if you're in that situation right now, you know, I can't look at you and go, well, you better pay your tithe. Yeah. No, what you got to do is hear from God. You, you, you got to hear something from God. That, that's what you've got to do. Uh, and, and I believe with all my heart that there are some to whom God would say, give the tithe and watch me do something. You know, and there are probably some others to whom God would say, put the food on the table, but let's keep up with this, you know, because the day's going to come when you'll be able to make it right. And, and, and I don't, you know, I don't know which one God would say to you. I really don't. But you don't either unless you've heard him say something. And so you need, it's about hearing, it's not just this matter of, rules and wrote and and x if x happens you do y and if and if c happens you do m you know it's hearing something from god he looks at the heart that's what really matters to him he knows where your heart is he knows what you really want to do and you know and if you make if you made $500 last week and, and $50 is the tithe, but, you know, the best you can do is 10 but you really want to do the 50 he knows that. 
But if you just are doing 10 because you didn't bother to give him the 50, he knows that too. And you know what? So do you. But the important thing is to hear, hear from him. Okay, we'll get into the, uh, I don't have too much time for the fun part here, but the fun part can be covered pretty quickly. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. See if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I have seen tithers go through difficult times financially, and I've seen non-tithers who just seem to cruise, you know, who just seem to, 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 to have it made. But that's not, that's not an indication of blessing, necessarily. You know, if you got a lot of money, that, that doesn't always make your life better. Some, sometimes it makes your life worse, quite frankly, because if you got a lot of money, you got to worry about a lot of money. You know, if you got if you got a lot of money and you don't know what to do with it, uh, the IRS will tell you what you did wrong. <laughs> a few years later, down the line, with interest and penalties, uh, Psalm seventy-three, David is saying, "My feet almost slipped. I nearly lost my foothold. I envied the arrogant. I saw the prosperity of the wicked, and I went, oh, man, they just got it made.'" They've got it so easy, and it's, it's oftentimes so hard for the righteous. And boy, it, it just about did me in. But later in that psalm, and, and if this is an issue for you, you should, you should spend some time in Psalm 73. You really should. But later in, he says in verses 16 and 17, When I tried to understand this, it was oppressive to me till I entered the sanctuary of God, and there I understood their destiny. Till I came into God's presence and I realized they're standing on a slippery surface. Things may be good today, but just one breath of wind and it all falls apart. And even if there is no breath of wind that comes along, it's still all going to fall apart eventually. But the righteous, the righteous have been put in in a firm place. They've been put in a solid place. Yeah, maybe, maybe they struggle, but, but they, can, they can struggle and have more joy than the wicked can have when they're taking it easy. They can struggle and have more peace than the wicked can have when they're taking it easy. They can struggle and have more love in their, in their life and in their home and in their hearts than the wicked can have when there's abundance all around them. A couple of weeks ago, I, I did the um, baby dedication for uh, Liam Johnson, and I had several people ask me, you know, what was that passage of Scripture you read? And, uh, you know, they just weren't listening because I told them that day. But, uh, <laughs> but actually, they were listening because they, they thought, that's a, that's a good psalm. I want, it's Psalm 112. And it's, it's, the, it's the psalm of the man who takes great delight in God's commands. And it says he will have no... One of, my, one of the parts that just really blesses me is it says he will have no fear of bad news. No fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Stock market crash? Okay, that's, that's bad. No fear. Storm coming? That's bad. No fear. Cancer? That's bad. No fear. Whatever may come, 
No fear of bad news. The wicked, on the other hand, it says, will see and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and waste away. The longings of the wicked come to nothing. You buy that shiny, new, beautiful car that you've just lusted for for so long, and in 20 years, somebody's going to put duct tape on that door and drive it up to a service station and ask for a dollar five. Because that's what the longings of the wicked come to. One last thing, and it's really this. You can't, I don't think, I really don't think you can read the bottom part. It says, is this glass 10% empty or is it 90% full? The bottom part says, whose glass is it anyway? And that's the, that's the key. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world and all who live on it. There is nothing that you have that did not come from Him, does not belong to Him now, and will not return back to Him. Nothing. Because it's His. And you are His. Even your body. You know, if you think your body is yours, try to keep it. You can't. You will lose it. But it belongs to Him. He loves you. He loves you and and He wants your life. He doesn't just want to save you from going to hell. He wants your life to be blessed and be blessed now. Would you stand with me? This would be a good day uh, prayer-wise. You know, if if you need a job, if you've got financial problems, if, you get, if there are issues of that nature in your life, it's a big good day to be prayed for for that. Uh, or maybe this area that I've been talking about is just, just a real tough area faith-wise for you. In fact, for years, maybe you might have even built up a wall around it and come up with all these reasons, well, well I'm not supposed to do that. Or I did it that way or this way. I'll just cut it. Come on. If it's something you, you need help with, this would be a good day to come and pray for that because it's a faith matter. It's, about, it's not about money. It's about faith. I'm sure there are other room, um, needs in the, in the house, in the room today. Those who are going to pray with people are elders and, and, uh, and, and staff. Edmund and board members come forward. And if you need prayer, we're going to worship for a few moments. You come. God's here. God's here. He cares about you. He can do stuff for you. Um, So whatever you need. Peace. Joy. Healing. Victory over sin. Whatever. You come forward. Be prayed for.
God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent his Son into the world so that we might have life and have it abundantly. May that abundant life be yours. May you know his pleasure. May you know his joy, his peace. May you have the rich blessing of the man or woman who obeys the commands of God and puts their trust completely in Him. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let me remind you, if you you would like to be baptized in water and next week works for you, come see me or Barbie afterwards.